Hi everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge. This week I am joined by Toddy and Hannah, who you should both know pretty well by now. And we've got a full slate. So first up, uh, I haven't managed to get my holds on it at all because I don't have a Pixel phone near me, but Toddy and Hannah have both installed the Android 11 beta. So they're going to talk through what they think after having a little play around with it. Uh, from then, we have the surprise announcement of two HTC phones. One we were kind of expecting, one that came out of the blue. And finally, Qualcomm Snapdragon 695G, which may sound boring, but it is important because it's going to usher in a whole new wave of cheap 5G smartphones later this year. Cool. All right. So Android 11, I haven't touched it at all um, because I don't have a Pixel and I could have put it on my OnePlus, but I didn't really want to risk it. Uh, you guys did risk your Pixels. So what do you think of Android 11? Well, my Pixel 3 isn't broken. So yay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. Um, yeah, I guess... Um, first thing to note and i think a lot of people have already spoken about this is that like when you first open it don't expect like any major design over overhauls or anything like that like at first glance you might be like in fact i was like has it done it <laughs> has, has it actually <laughs> happened but there's a few like cool things to check out in terms of like um i think the main major ones are the notification walls so basically they've grouped the notifications now into three separate ones so they have conversations tab, the silent notifications, and then your general alerts that you get for everything. Um, mm -hmm. And although the conversations one is a good idea in practice, um, it'll only work properly when other app developers actually create uh, the software to be able to, you know, actually run on it. So it's hard to know in theory how that looks, but you can see, you can see the general idea. So of how they're grouped. So I'll just pull up what my pixel looks like at the moment. Oh, I've got no notifications, so that's not helpful. But um, not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not popular. Um, but um, yeah, so. Do we know which chat apps do work with it right now? Or like if any have said, oh, well, actually, they've said they're going I've to? Got, um, well, I've got one here for Messenger that's just popped up. Um, so can you guys and see I've that? Got, I've got Discord going, so I feel like it might be a smart yeah. thing. It doesn't necessarily require any developer input to yeah. get features like that working. It's maybe like you know how Gmail can sort email types by default into its own kind of predefined categories. Mm -hmm. Seems like similar technology, but just for notifications. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from what I'm seeing, and and kind of you know just to, to the point about us both testing it out. Hannah's been particularly brave because she's put it on her actual personal phone. <laughs> I uh, I thankfully had the scapegoat of like about three other devices I could jump to if anything went horrendously wrong. Nothing has gone wrong, but yeah, just. Tip of the hat there, Hannah. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. The things I do for work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can't um, say you're not committed to the job. Um, have either of you turned on the um, the chat bubbles? The like, because you can have that for other messaging apps now. Is that right? I have it on, but nothing's popped up. And the only one I, I had it on before, obviously, was was Messenger, Facebook Messenger with chat heads, which I turned off. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the only thing uh, nothing yeah. else has popped up. The only thing <laughs> I can see different about Messenger here is that, like, you know, previously it would have, if you're in a group chat, for example, it would have the name of the group chat and then the person who's popped up. But on mine now, it's got the, it's got like one bubble which has the images of the people within the chat and then mm. the per person's image underneath. Um, can you guys mm. see that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, that's a little bit different. It's it, on first glance, it looks a bit like a bit much i don't know maybe that's just me and i mean i feel like it might get confusing when you're in a big group of people i don't know how those bubble things would work but yeah 
I guess it's one of those things I'll just test it out and see how it goes sort of thing. Um, the thing I keep seeing about about this beta and, and Android where it is now in general and its kind of life cycle is that it is a much more fleshed out user experience already. So Google is really just trying to find that balance with Android 11. Like we already have some pretty good notification management with like, you know, Android 10's silent and, and non-silent notifications. Like they, they'd already done a lot of work there. Um, on the Pixel phones, if you held the power button, you already got quick access to your Google Pay cards and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is, is kind of tinkering and tweaking. But for the most part, I think everything they are doing or will be doing when Android 11 formally releases is good. Yeah. Um, there's nothing I've been like, I don't like this change and I think they should go back to the old way, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't noticed any of these predictive apps, which is something you can have on your home screen. I uh, have. Pop I in. have you got have, them, right. yeah. Um, so oh, it won't show them now, will it? Like, how are the predictions? Like, <laughs> are they are, are the no, predictions? The predictions are pretty good. Use? Yeah. So I've got on there the five last apps which I use. So they appear along the bottom screen. Um, can you see oh, yeah. the ones that are highlighted like that? So yeah, like I've got Spotify, Twitter, Facebook, Messenger, and Discord, all of which I've used very recently. And actually, that last one has changed within the last time I used this. So it's obviously huh. pretty yeah. smart in knowing what it is and. It's one of those. I think for me, I'm not somebody who's organised and don't put like my favourite apps on one screen or anything like that. I've just got them all jumbled up. So like, <laughs> that's great for you then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for me, it's brilliant. But like, I know there's probably. I'm imagining both of you have probably got much more organised home screens than I have, and like, you know, you know where your Twitter app is, or you've you've already pinned it. Um, oh, see, so... I, I I have a system that I can't remember who I've got this on. I just I think someone tweeted it once, and it's just that every time I use an app, I drag it uh, down into the like to the next slot along, and like swap it for the next one along. So the apps I use the most will over time end up at the bottom of the hmm. home screen where they got the quickest access and the ones at the top will be the ones that I use less often Way and so it will just organically but yeah it's a lot of effort it's a fact <laughs> every time you open an app from the icon you've got to like rearrange your home screen but uh, you do like over time like build up what actually reflects what you use rather than what you think you use yeah um, the problem is that is also that horrifying thing where you're like Twitter gets to the bottom right and just sits there and nothing will ever replace Twitter <laughs> Journalist woes. Um, yeah, quick, turn off those post notifications, <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it, it depends on your preferences, really. Like for me, this I, I quite enjoy it. And like they look a little bit different as well with the little rings around them. I quite like that design mm-hmm. element that they've added in. So I think that's cool. Um, the other bit that, Dom, I know you were saying you were quite happy with this is uh, they've moved. Um, if you have Spotify open or any other audio playing app, instead of that appearing within the notifications wall, it's now put into the quick access bar. Um, yep. So if you've not got it fully scrolled up, it appears within the top right. Mm. And then when you pull it down, it appears there. And yeah, the colour um, matches the album art of whatever you're listening mm. to. Um, I really like that. I like that um, too. I think, you know, having it in the notifications was good, but this is better moving it away from... The notifications that I actually need to like keep an eye on and you know you want a new notification to come up above it but actually keeping it just with other phone controls essentially like makes more sense to me that somehow just yeah. feels like a more natural place for it to be mm-hmm. and the fact that then it can scale the size depending on how far down you've you've pulled the vein yeah. um, well, it's a minor thing I, but yeah what I'm curious to see is how other developers other manufacturers are going to treat Android 11 and, and these new yeah. features because obviously we're seeing it 
both of us from the perspective of Google and the Pixel launcher specifically mm-hmm. running on the mm-hmm. Pixel phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's to say that you know the the card shortcuts for your your Google Pay stuff isn't replaced by Samsung Pay on your Galaxy device or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how much control manufacturers have with these new features and whether or not it, it loses some of the kind of uh, additional um, assistive functionality that Google has intended. Um, by being kind of like tinkered with and, and, and tossed around by the other manufacturers. So it'll be interesting to see when it does formally release, starts rolling out to other phones, how they all treat it, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I haven't bothered putting it on the OnePlus. And I may at some point out of curiosity, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how well it will play well with Oxygen OS sitting there with it anyway. Um, you know, there's all the OnePluses overlay and I don't know how well they'll interact and how much work OnePlus has put into making sure they play nicely while it's still in a beta stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know OnePlus is relatively close to stock in the grand scheme of things as always this is the kind of thing where that's that benefit you get for going with say Nokia or Motorola who basically just put stock Android on so they're you know when Android 11 gets to their phones like you know you will be getting essentially the same experience as, yeah. as the, the current beta version um, and, and close to what the pixels get though there's always the, the pixel exclusives yeah. Um, yeah but based on your time with that Hannah what would you say is your favorite Android 11 beta feature so far um, I mean, actually, one thing that we haven't touched on yet, which I think mm. is really, really cool, um, and it's not necessarily something that, you know, like I would get uh, use out of day to day, but it's really good uh, for people who use it, is um, they've improved the voice accessibility features. Um, oh, yeah. So um, previously, it's something I'd never done, but it's like usually uh, a bunch of numbers sort of appear on the screen. So you say the number that you want to go to so say if like an icon has number one and that's on twitter you say one and it would open twitter but now you can use more commands just natural commands and you're able Mm. to explore your phone which is huge which is huge yeah and i i tested it out and previously i don't have a lot of luck with voice command i think phones don't like northern people um (laughs) (laughs) um i tried it out on this one i went from the home screen into twitter wrote a tweet um and it was absolutely fine it wasn't like you know like you have to keep repeating all the time i had like one blip at one point during the tutorial but other than that like i've been able to open news apps open social media Amazing. apps and it's been it's been pretty good and i think that's going to be pretty life changing for a lot of people who really really use those yeah. sort of features um and really will I don't know how, again, like you say, whether this will be a sort of thing that will be rolled out across all of the phones, because it may be... Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, because if not, then it's going to like suddenly put the pixel range in a whole other mm-hmm. ball game. But yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah. So you can actually open those apps by saying the name of the app, is that right? Rather than saying like the number of the icon, you could you could just yeah, so tell it to open, open Twitter. Open, open Twitter and it should open Twitter, yeah. Yeah, that's that awesome. great. That must be like the screen reading tech that they already had with like the Google Assistant that could like, you know, yeah. search stuff on screen. It must be that kind of AI logic, whatever the system they're using there. Yeah. Whatever they brand yeah. it as. Yeah. And um, they've yeah. not got rid of the numbers. The numbers are still there. So if say if you if you just find it like, for example, if I was on the news page and there were lots mm. of articles and it was hard to find the name of the publication, I could just say open five and then it would open mm-hmm. that one. Um, and that's still that's still there if you prefer that option and you're already used to that. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. And the other the other just design bits just make it look a little bit neater and a little bit nicer and that sort of stuff. I think there's a few yeah. other granular bits, but nothing that I've really 
has struck out to me is like this stuff for um, use with Google Home uh, and improve notifications with that. But I'm I don't I don't uh, sort of have those sort of things, so I can't test yeah. them out. <laughs> that is that is my, my feature of choice. I think of, of the beta as it stands is yeah, just being able to quickly kind of turn my lights off and on all around the house is just really nice so what's the change there did it uh so i mean i will show for those watching yeah if you basically if you hold the power button previously you got google pay um Mm -hmm. and that was kind of it and the power controls now beneath if you have the google home app set up in any configuration i don't know if you can see that yeah just about (laughs) Um, yeah you get like all of your lights and everything you've got set up through the home app automatically appears there and you can customize that as well nice so i've just got lights but obviously if you've got any kind of smart home stuff it can all be there which is really nice and convenient. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would actually use that a lot. I don't have many lights set up because my flat has spotlights, which are a pain. But I have so much other smart home nonsense that uh, <laughs> I, I could definitely see myself getting use out of that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm too scared about Alexa listening in and spying on me. <laughs> that's probably the smart choice there. I know, yeah, I know. I know that sounds really paranoid for a tech journalist, but there you go. <laughs> Well, there was a great uh, Am I the Asshole discussion on Reddit the other day, which was someone asking, Am I the Asshole? Because they'd gone to their, they were like an adult who'd gone to their adult child's house and had told them they weren't comfortable. The parent had said that they weren't comfortable with like echo devices, like Alexa listening. And the kid was like, I don't, you know, I'm leaving them out, like whatever. I bought them, they're mine. Yeah. Parent came, just grabbed them and threw them all in the bin. <laughs> wow. There's a new button. Just press the exactly. button. Exactly. It's like there are other solutions to that problem. <laughs> Uh, in answer to the question, yes, yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But also kind of a legend because he made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys. You may know better than me. So right now, basically, you can get uh, the 11 beta on Pixels 2 and up. Yeah. And yes. the OnePlus 8s, I think OnePlus said, have support. And I know a few other manufacturers have said they will roll out beta support, but so far it's just the Pixels and OnePlus, right? Yeah. And if you want a, a little bit of help, we do have an article on how to download it, as well as a full written hands-on of the beta mm-hmm. as it stands. So it's all there for you waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess full launch would normally be when the Pixel 5 drops, right? Yeah. So October. But yeah, who but knows? who knows at this, this point? Year. Like, you know, I mean, it may they may need some time to iron out features, and obviously everything is running slower than normal at the moment. So Yeah. I mean, also, guys, where's the Pixel 4a? I know, right? <laughs> well, Long I haven't talked about it. <laughs> We've been waiting for that one for about three months. Yeah. Uh, there was that brief point where we really thought it was going to come out just after the iPhone SE. Mm-hmm. And, uh, would now it made sense, too. Yeah. yeah, it would have been a really smart move for them, I would have thought. But uh, who knows? Mm. At this point, they might just be delaying it and, you know, the 5 and the 5a together. Scrap the 4a oh, brand, who knows? They might, yeah. Just... Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's Android 11. Thank you, guys. Uh, I may be bold enough to put it on my OnePlus just because I'm curious to see what it Do does it. with oxygen. But I'd, but I'd double check I've got another phone I'm happy to use in case I kill it. Uh, <laughs> hey, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do we say we're going to do second? I think the HTC phones we were going to go to next. Yes. So let's talk about them. Um which is a bit of a funny one. So HTC has just launched in Taiwan um, two new phones, the Desire 20 Pro and the U20 5G. Um, Remember HTC, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> so unless I'm much mistaken, these are their first phones for about two years. Um, the Desire 20 Pro we knew was coming 
Um, the U25G was a surprise. What's amazing is a phone company, I mean, this is so much about the way phones are, ma- are named, that a company can have its first phones for two years. It can have a number, like the number 20 involved for no obvious reason. It's not, you know, the last ones weren't 19 or anything. It's just 20, fine, whatever. There can be the Desire 20 Pro without a Desire 20. And there can be the U20. There's no connection between those two named devices except the fact they both got 20. One's Pro, but without a regular version of it. Um, absolute chaos. I hate it. Anyway. Oh, and <laughs> just to make it even weirder, the Pro phone is the cheaper, less powerful phone of the two that they launched. Yeah, what? <laughs> I don't understand what they were hoping to achieve with these these launches. Like, the brand is in the phone space effectively dead. Like, no one I know even mentions HTC or thinks about HTC anymore. I'm sure no. in their local market, which is Taiwan, like, they might still have more pull. But generally speaking, I don't understand why... Uh, I'm like, is this a cash grab trying to get on the 5G train or something? Like... Or, or just trying to, you know, with regards to the names, like the the number twenty is only more relevant this year than most because of the Galaxy S twenty. Twenty twenty, maybe. Twenty twenty. Yeah. I don't know if you want to associate yourself with this year particularly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe it's characteristic for HTC of all the years to pick this year to release yeah. these two yeah, phones. Yeah. Also, I think I think actually we've already talked about this on Fast Charge before, but like. The word pro, it just seems like such a buzzword now, like, especially yeah. with phones now. It's just like, stick it's that on the end of it meaning. and like, you know, it just, it yeah. doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, yeah, it, especially like you said, it that with that branding, it doesn't even sit where it's supposed to. It's like, <laughs> There's only one phone that I think can actually genuinely like uh, justify its pro nomenclature, which is the Xperia Pro, which you can't buy because it's just <laughs> yeah. built for broadcasting. That it makes sense. Yeah, for professionals. Every yeah. other phone... <laughs> Every other phone that uses the word pro is just it's just pointless. Just marketing fluff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> anyway, two new HTC phones, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, in case you can't remember, basically part of the big thing with HTC is they sold most of their phone division to Google two years ago for a billion dollars, um, which is partly why they haven't really been making any, which is then why it's just so odd that they have suddenly come out and said, oh, we've got another two phones because they gutted their own phone division. Um, which would have only made sense to do if you were going to say we're done with phones. Um, they've obviously got the HTC Vive, so they've been going ahead in the VR space and doing <clears throat> fairly well. They're obviously at the premium end of that, but doing okay with it. Um, it's weird that they pivoted back to phones. But yeah, we have the U25G, which um, is a sort of mid-range 5G device. It's running the Snapdragon 765, 765G or the 765, one of them. Um, uh, just the regular 765. Is it the regular? Oh, no, sorry, take it back, 765G. It is the G. You haven't seen many with the regular one. I'm not sure why that one's kind of been ignored. Um, anyway, yes, the 765G, It's it looks okay. It's very mid-range. It's only in Taiwan for now that they have talked about the, the pair are going to come to other markets. But who knows where that will be. I suspect that will just be other Asian markets. Mm. I'd be quite surprised if we see either of these actually come to the West. Um, it looks very generic. It looks fine, like, yeah. fine, but fine doesn't cut it. Like, it's got a punch hole camera, which I guess is cool. Uh, That's the most <laughs> modern thing about it. Um, yeah, but it's got a pretty big chin. I mean, I say it, they're, they're very similar designs, I should say. Both of these phones, they're just a little yeah. bit different in size. I think one 6.5 inches, one 6.8. Yeah, the um, U20 is a bit bigger. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, they... they uh, what colour are you looking at? Because the images I'm looking at, one's black and one's kind of like a green the green, green. I, like, like a khaki. I, like, I like the green but 
maybe I'm just weird, but... No, no, you're entitled <laughs> no, to hate. That's fine. Um, they're in that space where they've got they've got quad... Well, at least the U20... No, they both have quad cameras. Um, but they're both that kind of quad camera setup that isn't as impressive as that sounds. It looks um, like the same quad camera setup from the specs I'm just glancing at here. So they, yeah, they I think it like might the same camera. Be. So it's a 48 megapixel main sensor, which should be pretty good. I mean, that would be fine. Um, then a, a, an ultra wide, but then just the other two lenses are depth and macro sensors. So you're not getting a telephoto or anything, which again is fine at that price point. But it's that kind of thing where people go, four lenses, amazing, but it's actually only two you're gonna you're gonna shoot with directly. Um, the big oddity for me is the they both have a rear mounted fingerprint sensor, which I'm not necessarily saying is a bad thing because they actually like tend to be better than the in display ones. But it does immediately feel a bit old-fashioned because even at that price point, no one else is really doing that anymore. Um, these are, I, again, we've only got Taiwanese prices. They basically work out as kind of around five to $600 for the U25G <laughs> and around $300 for the Desire 20 Pro, I think. It's kind I of the rough US pricing. The Desire 20 Pro, because they both also have big batteries, both have 5,000 mAh yes, batteries. which is good. That is good. That's probably the biggest appeal, like, point that i like on yep. the spec sheet so i reckon the cheaper one would probably be the one i'd go for of the two but then mm. if we're hovering around that 300 pound price point or 300 sorry 300 whatever you said dollar um that kind of falls into line with the likes of the moto g8 plus a bit which mm. is 280 pounds in the uk um i think that would probably be my choice over this um despite the extra cameras and stuff just uh, yeah i feel like I, i'd have more faith in the uh, the whole brand, I guess, at this point. I don't really know HTC as a brand in the phone space anymore. I don't think I can put my faith in them as I could once with, like, you know, the One M7 or, you know. No. Yeah, and that big oh, battery I mean, life is is not just exclusive to them. Like like you were saying, no, exactly. like Oppo is another one that does that same Killing battery and, and looks a lot nicer than this one. And, yeah. Um, you know what I'd be really curious about, and I haven't seen much on with these. I guess no one's actually gone hands-on with them yet. Um, but in light of the discussion we just had, it's like software-wise. Because if they haven't put phones out for two years, I don't know if they've still got an up-to-date skin. Sense? Yeah. Like, is Sense still a thing? Or you, surely the sensible thing to do would be to just run stock <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. I don't have enough faith that that is what they'll have done. But I'd be really curious to see how they approach that coming back after two years. Yeah, if they made them like Android One devices, like the first Android One with five G, would be quite a cool claim, I guess. Um, but yeah, nice. you're definitely right that the the cheaper one is more appealing. The the, the gap between the two specs wise actually makes it a bit hard to justify the more expensive one because it's basically a better processor, five G, and then a little bit more RAM and storage. But you know, when you're at kind of six hundred dollars and it's still an LCD display. Mm-hmm. Um, Still the rear-mounted fingerprint sensor. The big battery is good, but it means it looks like it's pretty chunky. I think the LG Velvet is going to pique my interest more for that 765G experience because that's got the design on its side that this just doesn't. I mean, exactly. unless you're Hannah and you love that car key, I'll be green all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but for me personally, I'll take a shiny red, pink, mm-hmm. rainbow-coloured velvet instead, I think. I just yeah. think as well, because like you were saying, they they more or less faded into existence. And... To come back now with something that's like just a bit like you know, eh. like, you know, it just yeah. seems a really strange, a strange move to have done. Um, it just reinforces the idea that they don't know what they're doing. That's what it says to me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you just can't help but think. 
this isn't going to be the grand return that makes people suddenly take HTC seriously again and say, wow, HTC are back in the game. Like, this isn't, there's no strategy. There's no obvious strategy to this beyond like, yeah, I think we can turn a profit making a phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it is it that, you know, say they, they do try and make a big proper comeback in like a couple of years time, that they can say they haven't ever left the phone market? Yeah. Just to be like, yeah, we've been making phones solidly for like 15 yeah, yeah, years right. at this point. It's sure. like, well, solidly, really? <laughs> <laughs> How, when, when, when were they last in like their glory days, so to speak? Like when were Ooh. they? I mean, I would say HTC One xs they were great and then the one m7 was really good uh the one funny it reminded me when we were talking about android 11 and those predictive apps the first phone that i ever saw that on was the htc one m9 they had this little launcher on the window on the home screen that was the first phone that ever did this whole predictive app thing um Mm. so there is a kind of weird cross-pollination there but yeah I'd say the U series was pretty good, but they'd already kind of lost their luster by that point. I think they were already yeah. struggling. Um, so yeah, I'd say the One series, uh, really, all of the One phones were really, really good. I had a One mm. S that I absolutely loved. Uh, that was a phenomenal phone. And yeah, the the One M7 and M8 were pretty good too. Mm. I, I mean, say. I'll always have a bit of nostalgia for them because I think because they were so pivotal in the early days of Android. I think mm, for a lot yeah. of people who were there and had those early smartphones, you know, my first smartphone was an HTC Hero, I think. I think a lot of people's first smartphone, Which... Android smartphone, was probably an HTC. Also because exactly. Sense was my... better than yeah. stock Android. It was it was way better at that point, yeah. yeah. You've, I've actually forgotten. You've brought back all these memories all of a sudden. I had So I had a Windows phone. Which I Ooh. believe was HTC. And I can't yeah. remember the name of the model of it now. It was blue. It, it was like blue and... Black. They did two. I think they had that. Was it the seven S and eight X or something? Mm. Uh, I loved the designs of their Windows phones. Yeah, no, I looked pretty much looked nice. all the Windows nice. phones were good. But yeah, mm. HTC yeah, but... was really nailing it in the Windows phone space. It's just a shame that the operating system was so. Work. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and they ended up smashing that phone to bits. And I remember using it in uni, like still smash, like with half the screen falling <laughs> no. off. People being like, yeah. "Get a new phone." I'm like, I can't. Just to date myself, my, my first smartphone in uni was a Windows mobile phone with a stylus <laughs> and a slide-out oh, keyboard. And it was, in nice. fact, made by HTC. But yeah. before they even sold phones under their own brand, it was called a uh-huh. Qtech 9100. Very odd. Oh, anyway, <laughs> digress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would love to see HTC come back properly. Uh, this does not give me any faith that it is going to happen <laughs> in a meaningful way. Um, this looks to all the world like a pair of phones that will launch in Taiwan. They will maybe also end up in, I don't know, the Philippines or India or somewhere. Grey market Ag- online. Yeah, some grey market yeah. availability. I cannot see these meaningfully coming to the West. I hope they are really looking at doing this. I just don't see the evidence of it. And I don't really get how they would approach that at this point. Yeah. And yeah, they'd have to come back with something big that says, here's why you should buy an HTC, here's why you should trust the HTC brand again, and a couple of generic mid-rangers is not going to do it. Like, Ooh. you know, you look at the way HMD handled bringing Nokia back was kind of, they stayed mostly clear of flagships, they seem to have learned that flagships don't super work for them, and they've just had a kind of thing, which is budget and mid-range, they lent into stock Android and Android 1. Um, they lent into the sort of Scandinavian design language, and they just kind of said, here's what a Nokia is now. And 
you know you know what you're getting with them now and they really made that work and made it work for them and they're not one of the flagship players but like they carved out a niche for themselves that made sense for nokia to return um and paired it with clever marketing around all the like retro remakes um i just don't see what hdc does to match that no. and they don't but, have that that thing that the nokia brand has to fall back on they don't have exactly that pedigree and that history to the same degree well yeah so. i mean i yeah. was gonna ask and android nerds have nostalgia but yeah, yeah i mean i was gonna ask although people. we were all talking about like previously having hdc like i can't think of anything that like you know like, some designs just have something iconic about them like with them coming back with the generic phone doesn't really surprise me because like there's nothing mm. that i can really remember them being the, the closest they have would be the chins but I don't see how you do a modern version of the smartphone chin that anyone would want. Yeah. I mean, but that's what I always think of is those like jutting out chins yeah. at the bottom of the phones, which were cool at the time. Yeah. But that yeah. made sense because you had to have bezels. So why not put your bezels at a funny angle anyway? Those chins had trackballs in them. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> that's crazy. That's it. Thing. They bring back the trackball. <laughs> yeah. That's their thing. The trackball. Sorted. Ball. God, in 2021. Just An in-screen trackball. If they can build the text, so it emerges from the glass, foldable, like bended foldable glass that comes after a trackball shape. Oh, I was just picturing like like a punch hole camera, a punch hole trackball that just is yeah, always yeah. there, just in the middle of the screen. This is what they've been doing for two years. They've invested like millions, hundreds of millions in the R and D for the uh, the first in-display trackball. I know. Oh, coming this year. Mark our words. It will work. No, <laughs> trust us, guys. <laughs> Okay, well, until until the trackball makes its grand return, <laughs> um, we will we will be holding our breath, but we probably won't be uh, too excited about the actual HTC phones <laughs> we have to look at. Maybe a little more exciting in a funny sort of way, at least from an industry perspective, is the this week's Qualcomm news, which is that they announced the Qualcomm Snapdragon six ninety five G platform. Uh, so to put that in context, Snapdragon basically uh, tiers its phone chipsets based on the first number. So the 8 series is the flagship stuff. Obviously, that's the 865 at the moment. Um, 7 series is its sort of mid-range, upper mid-range. So we were already talking about the 765, um, which is what's in the uh, HTC U20. And so they've got the 765, 765G, and the 768, I think, at the moment, that are 5G ones and then some others. 6 series is sort of the next tier down. Um, So this is the first time they've put 5G in one of the 6 series chips, um, which means it's the first time they brought 5G to that sort of price point. So Qualcomm say they think phones powered by the 690 will cost basically three to $500, um, which is pretty good considering that I was looking the other day, I think the cheapest, um, in terms of dollars, the cheapest 5G phone right now is about 600. Um, I think the cheapest we've seen in pounds in the UK is 400, which is the Oppo Find X2 Lite, which just launched uh, a week or two ago um, and that is on the 765G um, so yeah I think for the UK this probably means phones that are down to like 250 maybe 300 I think Oppo kind of managed to like I don't know how they managed to get that so cheap with the 765 in because mm-hmm. no one else seems to have gotten close on that price point for a 5G device um, at least for an actual western launch which is really impressive and it slightly undercuts the 690 potential in a way. But do, do you think they're subsidizing it just to be the cheapest 5G phone in the market right now? Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. uh, that that's obviously the thing. That you know, when, when I wrote the news up, I led with, wow, this is the cheapest 5G phone you can buy because <laughs> it is by quite, by, you know, by 100, 200 pounds. Um, 
Uh, but that's not in the US anyway. So this will be a bigger deal for the US where I think I don't think there's anything below $600 as far as I could tell. Um, uh, and already, as you would expect, lots of big manufacturers have said they're on board to use the 690. Uh, LG, Nokia and Motorola are the big ones for the West. All those have said they're working on devices. I think also Sharp, TCL, who are obviously kind of coming into the smartphone industry in a big way right now under their own brand. Uh, and Wing Tech, which is one of the Chinese OEMs. Um, there would be more. Those are just the people that basically agreed to have their brand name put in Qualcomm's press release, essentially. So we know there's phones from those people. Um, and the word is that they are coming in the second half of this year. Cool. Uh, I feel like HTC definitely should have just held off yeah. and put the 690 <laughs> in one of those phones and made it even cheaper. Like that uh-huh. would have made yeah. it much more compelling if they did like the, the if they were the world's first cheapest like 5G phone mm-hmm. like this year. That would have been a much better pitch That's a than hook. just here's some phones. Yeah, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think this is the year that we see 5G coming down. That makes perfect sense. The tech launched last year in markets, including the UK. So to to finally see mid-range now with the 765 and 768 range mm-hmm. and then also getting some affordable 5g phones before the year's end is great i think yeah mm-hmm. sorry hannah well i was going to say when, when do you think we're going to see like the big i know it's obviously going to be gradual but like the big switch over fully mm. to 5g do you know what i mean like having like all the infrastructure there for everybody like that provided that i, I mean the, get burned down. <laughs> the problem is it varies by country right so like the uk yeah. is relatively far along um in the global sense but there i don't think india's got 5g yet uh i know there are still eu countries that don't have it yet or are getting it soon um some that have it but very limited availability so it's still rolling out slowly and and the thing is every time i have a a briefing with crowdcom they're just sort of explaining yeah it's here but actually this tech still hasn't been put in in a widespread way and so Mm -hmm. sort of the it's just going to be the gradual process of, of actual like availability of signal improving very, yeah. very slowly. And and there's lots of different networking tech that underlies stuff like that, yeah. like DSS and standalone and non-standalone arrangements and stuff like that, which most people don't need to know about. And even I, I have a sort of vague, fuzzy understanding of. Um, but they're making sure that their chips can handle all that stuff so that when the infrastructure comes in, the phones will already handle and that includes this 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 has basically all the same it has the x51 modem which is the same one that's that's on the flagship stuff yeah. so it will handle the same networking stuff for the most part that a high-end one will so it means i think they're just trying to approach it basically like phones first future-proof the phone hardware mm-hmm. make it so that 5g phones are cheap and affordable and ubiquitous push it so that oems basically have to include 5g when they build devices which helps push the the drive for it further along. So it means you are basically buying a 5G phone wh- whether you really want to or not. Yeah. And it means you're then future-proof for once the network is there in your country or once it's in your town and it's more mi- widespread or whatever. Um, and then it will just be this really torturous, gradual process of the networks getting better and better. But the idea is, I guess, you'll have the 5G phone anyway and you just won't really notice that it slowly gets better. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm because I, I was just saying that just because I feel like that will determine, like, you know, the, these brands who've gotten involved in creating phones for them, like, how likely they are more to sell. You know, if people are like, you know, more bought into the idea of being able to switch over to a 5G. And, and the fact is, as well, especially in the US now, knowing that they don't have to pay a premium price for that feature is yeah. really, really 
good. It's going to be interesting to see, though, who is going to... We were talking about Oppo, you know, fighting to be the chiefest. It'll be... You wonder whether the others will try and undercut each other just so they can get... No doubt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well. There's going to be a really um, aggressive 5G like price arms race there. Yeah. Um, you wait, Nokia will put out a feature phone with 5G. Like, <laughs> yeah, nostalgia right. one. Another 3310, yeah. this time with 5G. Totally. Um, um, yeah. To to the point on like your original question about like when is this big switchover happening? And Dom, you kind of covered this, but I, I remember being at the launch of 4G with EE in the UK, looking mm. at the UK market specifically, and it was a big event. I think the way that 5G technology works, it's the term 5G, if you're not really aware, is really a collection of different networking technology technologies. And at one end, you really just have fast 4G stuff that's powering yeah. it. Yeah. And then it's at the other end where you get the super unprecedented speeds that we're still not really seeing yet because the tech isn't there or it's still being built or whatever. Um, so I just don't think 5G is going to have a big definitive moment of just becoming available yeah. it's going to trickle through from well it's it already is from the end of last year um in markets like the uk through till i reckon 2021 i think you'll probably be able to get a 5g phone at every price point and be able to use 5g in most yeah parts of the country yeah. and the thing is as well even once it has that availability like you know if the way they're talking about this from a network infrastructure is it's not about you'll always get a 5g signal it's actually just about combining 5G and 4G masts and setups to get you the best speeds you can at any time. Yeah. So even as there's 5G availability, it won't you'll, you'll be getting bits of 5G and bits of 4G and flitting between the two. And the, the hope is you just kind of don't notice because you'll get the best of both um, well, and the tech kind of overlaps and all of that stuff. But there won't even really be a nice point where they can say, yeah, there's 5G absolutely everywhere because it won't really work like that. It's more like cool while you're here you're getting all of 5g and then once you move over here you'll lose the 5g upload but you're still getting the 5g download and then once you move over here you're all on 4g but are actually using this bit of 5g tech to make the 4g faster than it was (laughs) and that kind of thing so it it just becomes a a mess of of stuff well yeah Um, i mean when you said like not noticing that's that i think that's the point where it has like when phones are stopped being the the selling point is it's got 5g that's mm, when you know that it's actually all in place now and it's no longer like yeah, a a shining unicorn feature anymore because yeah. it, is, it was it was it was, it was hard to write those what is five D features to a degree because for the average consumer it's not that game changing except for no. speed except for yeah. speed there's nothing else really that I think the average user or consumer is going to find beneficial it's great for business with IoT and interconnectivity and allowing more connections and all of this other stuff but yeah I think for for Joe Boggs in the high street who's just looking to buy a new phone and they see oh it's got five G that's not going to be a huge... They're not going to be, like, excited about that unless they no. are desperate to stream, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> whatever the new hot Netflix series is going to be. Oh, maybe and- The Last of Us series when that comes out. <laughs> yeah. I think companies are already beginning to realise that as well. I think, you know, your, your point, Hannah, about the, the branding question as to whether, you know, telling people a phone is 5G, I think this will be the last year we really see a lot of that. Because even HTC calling it the U25 G in a mm. funny way feels slightly dated. Because you say, look at the way Samsung handled the S20 line versus the like S10s or the Note 10s, where they had a separate 5G model and they made a fuss over this is the S10 5G, this is the Note 10 5G. For the S20s, it was just the S20. It had 5G, but it's not the Galaxy S20 5G. It's the Galaxy S20. Mm-hmm. It's got 5G in because of course it does. And I think that's basically what we're going to see. By the end of this year, flagships will no longer claim their 5G because it's just a given that a flagship phone has 5G. Yeah. Upper mid-range will be the same thing. And it would just be 
they'll keep pushing that the budget ones have 5G because there'll still be that big differentiation where some of them will, some of them won't, and that'll carry on for another 12 months or so. Mm-hmm. And probably this time next year, unless you're spending less than £100, 5G will be there and it will maybe just be taken as a given rather than rather than advertised as much. Mm-hmm. Especially because at least in the UK, for the most part, you're not paying extra for 5G from the network, from the carrier. Um, I'm sure that will vary in different markets. Uh, and different countries and different networks will handle it in different ways. But broadly speaking, the UK, we've seen the line basically be that, yeah, you, you'll pay the same amount for your connection for 5G. So there doesn't need to be that warning to the consumer of, oh, if you buy this 5G phone, you need to buy a 5G plan. Yeah. They're kind of the same thing. The pricing is often the same. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is good. More More 5G phones is good. I'm actually impressed by how fast this has moved. I think we've mm. got qualcomm to thank in a sense for that in that they have been vocal about the fact that they were going to push it down to lower price tiers um i'm curious to see how mediatek respond now they the cheapest mediatek one is the dimensity 800 i think which is kind of an equivalent to the 765 but it's only in a few phones and none of them are out in the west um so they were you know they got some press at that time for making 5g affordable with the dimensity 800 because it did kind of i think undercut the 765 a bit Qualcomm's now kind of come in and undercut them again so I'm curious if we're going to see a budget MediaTek chip come out with 5G before the end of the year because often it's the cheap phones that use the MediaTek chips that that budget end is where MediaTek is stronger where they've got more marketplace so you know they'll be this is in a way Qualcomm looking to snap up more of that end of the market and MediaTek must be trying to figure out how cheap they can get um, 5G and I should probably say some of the other stuff about the 690 before we before we wrap up just quickly uh, the other stuff it does basically it's got um, 4K HDR video recording um, which is again pretty good for going That's below $500 good. yeah um, support for 120 hertz displays so Great. again stuff that we're not seeing at the budget market yet but this suggests we will start to see that tech filter down Calcom has clearly put that in because manufacturers are telling it that they want that feature Real me in those price that, points like in a heartbeat <laughs> exactly yeah um, those are the two big ones. Also, 192 megapixel photo capture, but I was surprised um, I'm by not that. so worried about cool. that one yet. It's yeah. cool, but it's kind of the same at the top end. They always advertise that it supports absurdly high megapixel counts that there aren't the sensors for yet. Yeah, so I was going to um, say, just to clarify, with these like other things that it can handle, is it a case of a phone can handle all of these and stay at those price and stay at that price point, or would it be that it mm-hmm. would pick one feature that's like the highlight and then? make downgrades elsewhere so it it, it's not every phone will support all of that stuff it's basically that's the kind of level of handset qualcomm expects people to make using those chips different manufacturers will set different prices they'll prioritize different features obviously whether you put that 120 hertz panel in will change the cost of the phone and different manufacturers will make that call it i yeah i assume they're working on the basis that you could make a phone that supported all of this stuff and have it run for 500 and still be profitable um but yeah i guess it's like you look at it like the perspective of you know when you're building a computer you look at the motherboard to see what the motherboard supports but in mobile we don't yeah. really talk about the, the the board itself we just talk about the chips and yeah so in this case the processor as long as that supports it the manufacturers kind of do what they want within that yeah, yeah. and range. you know just say a good example of where you see the support or not the snapdragon 865 the flagship one that supports 8k video recording um, but we've seen, say, the S20 phone support it. Uh, there must be a couple of others that have done 8K video, but not Oppo many. Oppo Find X2 Pro, is that 8K? 
I don't think it does. Yeah. I don't I think they bother me. Anyone else is bothered? You can see what you are. You can see why they wouldn't bother, though. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, because just a lot of it, like, like you say, stuff yeah. is not in place for it. What's the point? Like, it's, you know? <laughs> it's not that good. It has limited frame rate support, and you know, so say the 4K HDR on these will be at 30 FPS for the 690, yeah. but that's fair enough. <laughs> rubbish. So they're always going to be but. But yeah, I mean, if we're looking at, say, like three, four hundred dollar phones that have 120 hertz refresh rate displays, yeah. 4K HDR video recording and 5G with by the end of the year, um, that's a pretty big step up for that end of the market, I think. I mean, yeah. this reinforces the point that, that that's where the battle is really being fought right now is the mid-range, yep. not the flagship space. Yeah. Because that's yep. where people are buying phones. So they've got to make them more and more competitive. So Qualcomm's enabling that. Yeah. And exactly. this is a great time for brands who are like a little less well-known to really like mm. step up now because like... True. Yeah. People, yep. when when phone, when the flagships are getting above a grand, people are just going to start <laughs> backing out now, aren't they? Yeah. Like, it's going to be like, no. Like, and especially with like what times are like now, like, you know, people are not you know, spending habits are going to be changing and and if people exactly. want to switch over phones, they're not going to want to have to drop so much money yep. on it. So, so budget and mid-range check, is going to get yeah, even more competitive. Check out our best budget and best mid-range phones on Tech yeah. Advisor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, look, I'm in charge of this chart, so I feel like I need to push them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that shameless plug. Yes, yeah, uh, Hey, it's our show. We can plug what we want. <laughs> Uh, with that I guess we will call it a week so uh, thank you both for joining me thank you to everyone who's been watching or listening Um, as always we will be back next week to talk about whatever on earth is happening next week I've got no idea what the phone industry is going to throw at us this time Uh, if you're on YouTube jump in the comments you know that and uh, yeah bye all thank you bye see ya